She's a rookie reporter. He's an award-winning newsman. Where are you from, Peterson? Look, I realize every cub reporter in the skirt must go gaga at the great bracket approaching them. You have zero chance of scoring here. Trust me. Move on. I'm sorry. Where did you say you're from? Bitchville? Two big city rivals. Delivery for Mr. Brackett. <laughs> oh, by the way, I never did thank you for the mud. Oh, you're very welcome. I hope you named him after me. I certainly did. Yeah, I've grown real attached to Little Dick. Covering the same big story. The train crashes, the sun dies, and the briefcase is stolen. And the closer they get to the truth. The kid who stole it is murdered, but before he dies, he writes the initials LD on his palm. The more they'll need each other <laughs> to stay alive. Bracket! Somebody's trying to kill us over a cow hormone? Is that what you think, Bracket? Is that what you think, Peters? <laughs> Tell me if you think we're in some kind of trouble here. I think we're in some kind of trouble here. Hang on, Peterson! Julia Roberts. Stay there, I'll shoot. I don't think so. Think again. Nick Nolte. Put your seatbelt on, Peterson! I Love Trouble, a Nancy Myers Charles Shire film. Honey, we've been rescued. Hello and welcome to Box Office Bylines, where this week we're talking about the Nick Nolte, Julia Roberts, something or other, I Love Trouble, in which they play, as you heard, competing news reporters, even though he's a columnist, and they uh, they maybe fall in love a little bit, allegedly, and it came out in 1994 at the height, not quite the height, the second height of Julia Roberts's powers, I don't know what she did to deserve Nick Nolte. I'm Tara Thorne in Halifax. And I am Jacob Boone in Yellowknife Northwest Territories. This one, Jacob, you know, I used to work in a video store and uh, in the 90s. Blockbuster and, uh, or Jumbo? or uh, Gigantic video. <laughs> right. It was a small, okay. ch- a small chain in Nova Scotia. And um, I remember this box fondly. The people we watched this with had never heard of it and suggested that Julia Roberts had the studio bury it. <laughs> um, but it was, it was a thing. I remember it. But yeah. I never saw it because I have very complicated feelings about Julia Roberts. Um, that we can get into maybe later. But what what did you know about I Love Trouble? Uh, nothing at all. Suggested to us by friend of the podcast and Haligonian, Dartmouthian, uh, Rebecca Thomas. Um, and now, did she suggest it ironically or just like, hey, hmm. this is a journalism movie? <laughs> did she think maybe, you would like it? I, 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 I know she maybe has a bit of a soft spot for dumb movies yeah so there may be some irony um she i texted her about it because i was like jesus christ this fucking movie (laughs) and she's like hey you wanted journalism movies i didn't say it was good okay this is uh this is pretty bad this isn't even say i would say enjoyable bad like the mean season was last week no the the mean season was like memento compared to this (laughs) This is, this is, uh, you know and it, it's sort of interesting like I'm trying to I know very much where Julia Roberts was in her career I don't I have to imagine this movie went into development with somebody else who dropped out well and then they're like here's this guy you say that but 
at the time, so again, this is what, 94? Yeah. Four. So yeah. Julia Roberts is, Pretty Woman was what, 90? 89. 90. 80, 90? I Hold on. 90. I have her filmography up because I have lots to say. <laughs> okay. Pretty Woman was 90. Okay. Yeah. She was right in the prime of her, like, superstardom. And Nick Nolte was just coming off The Prince of Tides. I believe that was a year earlier. Oh, right. And he'd won an Barbara Oscar Streisand. for that. Yeah, you're right. And yeah, you're right. had been named People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive. Which maybe explains why in this movie his character is portrayed as like masculine sex symbol incarnate. Oh boy. There's a 26 year age difference here and you really <laughs> feel it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So Julia Roberts, like one of the best looking human beings who's ever lived. Yes. And in her, like in in her, her late 20s. Yes. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Against melty face, oh, hard life Nolte. Nick Nolte. Like, yeah. I know. I mean, we all know what Nick Nolte looks like now. He's sort of like, he's erased any goodwill or Oscar winning he ever did um, with his later in life antics. And we all, like, when I think of Nick Nolte, I think of his horrific mugshot. And <laughs> his face isn't that bad yet in this movie. Um, but you can see that it's going to end up there. And I don't know who thought it was a good idea. You know, not every May-December romance in a movie is impractical or, or a lot. Sometimes there's, you know, it's often born from a sexist system, but sometimes the actors <laughs> have very real chemistry. And you right. at least kind of believe, yeah, yeah, I can see these two hitting it off. <laughs> like Richard Gere, for instance, is a lot older sure. than Julia Roberts. It doesn't work on a like human being chemistry level. It doesn't no. work plot-wise. There's no reason why this up-and-coming brilliant reporter would ha harbor some secret flame for this, I don't know, man, like, like, a, like a sleazy... He's Older so sleazy. Yeah. Loser guy. Not loser. He's famous. You know, he's introduced. Um, like some blonde is in a sports car is dropping him off at the, the office <laughs> to meet his deadline. And she gets him to sign a copy of his book. And then she uses it to fan her face. Because just being in his presence is so, like, overwhelming to her female desires. And then a truck goes by with his face on it. Oh, at one point, he's in a Gap ad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like a newspaper columnist. You know how Gap loves newspaper columnists? <laughs> Historically <God>. and currently. <laughs> at one point, we'll get uh, uh, to the setup of the scene later, but at one point, they're at a bar, and there's this woman complaining. She's a scientist, and she's complaining that a in this town- A hot blonde scientist. She's played by the mom from one of the moms from Gossip Girl. Complaining that there's not enough men in this town. There's four women to every man, so there's only a bunch of losers. And she stops mid-sentence to let out a breathless, whoa, daddy. <laughs> fucking gross-ass Mick Nolte walks in. It's truly stunning. Now, Jacob, if you can remember this needlessly complicated uh -huh. plot that starts with a train derailment and ends at an animal testing lab. Please take us to this romantic comedy <laughs> slash investigative thriller. All right. So 
train derails, horrific tragedy, people dead, and two dueling Chicago reporters start investigating. One, a columnist, who, again, we're introduced to as a ladies' man, and then he immediately plagiarizes one of his old stories. He calls it up and changes a the headline. A headline and a name. And yeah, one and name. one of the names, because it's like someone got arrested, a kid got arrested with a gun, and he's like, didn't I write about a kid with a gun in 85? And he gets caught, but it's supposed to be like, look at this scamp. Not like, that's yeah. a fireable offense. Yeah. Anyway, so for some reason he is put on going to the crime scene of the train derailment and asking questions as is julia roberts sabrina peterson um there is this annoying runner where they both refer to each other by their last names peterson and bracket as uh, i don't know anyway uh so they start investigating and they get embroiled in this sort of fun competition about who can uncover the latest scoop about what happened as they investigate and then they get trapped in an elevator and shot at. Uh, elevator first and then shot at later. And then they decide to team up because clearly something bigger is going on. And there's a conspiracy afoot. And so they travel to Wisconsin and eventually uncover spoilers, I guess. Uh, that there's some shady company creating genetically modified cows to increase milk sales. And... <laughs> That's in. It goes all the way to the top, and so they have to escape from their pursuers and these hired thugs, and that involves, of course, them. Of course, naturally, that involves a sham marriage in Vegas, which is actually surprise a real marriage. Uh oh. Who hasn't that happened to? And then legally, of course, you're required to get the honeymoon package and stay in the same hotel room. So, uh, you know, it's uh, what is it? Murder, mayhem, and a little romance along the way. That's Ugh. Right. One review by Judy Brennan in the L.A. Times. Whew. This movie was written by um, Nancy Myers in her pre-Nancy Myers director days. So she, um, Nancy Myers, has directed very successful movies, and including my one of my top three most hated films of all time. It's called The Holiday with Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet. What are the other two? Oh, uh, actually, Kate Winslet's in one of the other ones, The Reader, and Signs. Um, can you, so can anyway. you, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Can you just really quickly <laughs> summarize why, do I hate why them all? rank and summarize why those three? It's definitely Signs. Um, uh, a good friend of mine, Kat McCormick, loves M. Night Shyamalan, and, and this is like uh -huh. a real sticking point in our relationship. I screamed, fuck you at the movie when I was in it. Um, do you know, because at the end, uh, Mel Gibson comes out with his um, preacher. Yeah, he finds God again. His collar on. Aliens. And I said, fuck you. That's why. Okay. Uh, one. The reader is, uh, I think we have done our Holocaust movies. It takes an hour to get to the Holocaust part. It puts Kate Winslet in old lady makeup. At one point, the boy goes to the Holocaust site and sees like a bunch of bones that have lights on for some reason, even though it's like an abandoned site. Fuck the reader. And then this goddamn movie, The Holiday, written and directed by Nancy Myers, my mortal enemy, mm -hmm. um, is the Cameron Diaz side. So she goes to England. Kate Winslet goes to L.A. to meet Jack Black and Jude Laws in London. Um, 
Or actually, I think it's like small. It's like a small, cute cottage or something. Um, and it's supposed to be about old classic movies, and it's just it's just a piece of shit. I hate I hate it. Um, so Nancy Meyers' husband at the time, Charles Shire, directed this. Yes. And so I think we can lay a lot of the problems of where the camera is looking at his feet. No. I don't think Nancy Myers is a number one feminist, I, but she is not this bad. I would argue because I mean she produced it, they co-wrote it. It felt like they're they're this is a duo. They're involved in all aspects. That was just like a legal union thing. Oh, you do to, blame her. You do. I would say they're they're a, they're a complete team, hundred percent, fifty fifty. Wow. On all this, and they just probably had to give each other specific credit, like but, Joel and Ethan Cohen. Exactly, and uh, <laughs> their made up editor. Right. What's his name? Roderick J. Uh, yeah, what Spoiler. is, yeah. I don't know, whatever. I can't remember his name. Anyway, yeah, yeah I, I, w- I would not, I, I don't think Nancy gets off with, okay. with a lighter sentence. Okay, fair. Uh, because when Julia Roberts walks into this movie, mm-hmm. we start at, like, she literally walks in, in her yes. heels. Now, later on in the movie, she wears mm-hmm. an ex- excellent array of menswear. Why she's in a cocktail dress with heels at this train derailment is a question for another time, perhaps later this hour. Um, But yeah, she walks in and the camera starts at her feet and slowly, while a horny saxophone plays, uh, moves up her body to land on her face. Wah, wah, wee, wah. And it's like, (laughs) this is happening again at at like, (laughs) what's that? Didn't you type auga? Yeah. We Wolf were co-watching movies. this. Yeah. This is this is happening at the site of like multiple fatalities. Yes. It is not a fun place. Hundreds dead, train crash, and it's like, wow. And it's from you know, it's not just the camera, it's it's what's what's his Nick Nolte looking at her. Yes. So it's very much like, wow, who's this gaze. babe? Yeah. For who's sure. coming to to interview survivors? And um, then he immediately sidles up to her and starts telling her how to do, do her job. Oh and my she god! Never that fucking is an asked. amazing, amazing. That was that's a parody. They just didn't know it. Yeah, it's an incredible <laughs> scene of older male reporter telling young female reporter how to do her job. Literally looking over her shoulder and being like, "You don't want to ask that question. They're not going to answer yes. it." Yes, and then later on in the movie, he's like, rule number three, rule number four. It's like, yeah. nobody fucking asked you, ever. <laughs> and then when she tells him to, like, leave her alone, she's like, you know, I'm sure every young reporter is impressed by the great Nick Nolte character's name, but I'm not, so leave me alone. And he's like, where do you say you were from again, bitchville? <laughs> <laughs> Which I did laugh out loud because it's such an immature child's response. Yeah, it's that uh, it is good, but <laughs> no, it's it's she's actually secretly in love with him, and he learns to love her. And yes, that's the, like we're supposed to imagine that she's in love with him, and it's him who has to do the work to yeah. allow this beast into his life. At at one point, she like when he's tucking her into bed before he goes to kiss her, she's like, "What is it about me that?" You don't find attractive. I'm too tall. I'm I'm I, I have the wrong hair color. Yeah, and it's like what are you talking, Julia Roberts? <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> just take that line out. It's not believable in any way. No actor could make that work with the 
visages that are on no. screen. <laughs> it's like when they say Charlize Theron, no one believed her in North Country or whatever, because yeah. she's too beautiful to be a coal miner. It's like, I also similar. like that before he like reveals his true feelings, he's like, off the record? Yeah. <laughs> like, journalism joke. Yeah, journalism now pillow talk. Now, they're, speaking of being off the record, there are tons okay. of um, uh, uh, spinning newspapers <laughs> for real. And tons, like the mean season, uh, lots of wipes, transitional wipes. Yes, which should we define because one of our friends didn't know. Didn't know what it was. What a, what a wipe is. Can you can you explain the film I grammar for folks? Can I? I it's yeah, like a filmmaker. Uh, well, we'll see. Um, it's, <laughs> you know, it's. Instead of cutting scenes, you kind of pull the old scene out, and then the new scene is painted over. You wipe across. But wow. like the mean season, they didn't use the same wipe twice, except sometimes a train was act, would act as yeah. the wipe. Which is wasteful in these COVID times with toilet paper. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> what That's else happened in this dumb thing? Our... Yeah. Um, what else happened? Well, here's the thing. This is one of the biggest things, and and with this movie is the tonal shifts from Nancy Meyers' romantic comedy, yes, or something trying to approach a kind of Tracy and Hepburn screwball comedy to serious investigative journalism detective story thriller. Like, there are many scenes, especially at the beginning, where they're first kind of just competing with each other over headlines uh, and trying to, like, one-up each other the next day. And then they, you know, it's kind of a fun little montage where they, they'll think they're doing good work and then they see the other newspaper the next morning and realize the other person scooped them and they're more determined than ever. And you get fun, jaunty music. There's reaction shots of a dog, you know? Where, so like, many dog reactions. A human being does a... Says some usually it's like something incomprehensible that a dog wouldn't understand anyways, like like a human being saying something dumb, and then we cut to the bulldog going like, you know. <laughs> and literally he sends her on some fake journey, and she winds up driving through a flock of geese, and she gets gets out of the car to say, he sent me on a wild goose, goose chase. chase. And this she is a thing like, that happens. She doesn't realize that until she's in the flock in of the geese. in the geese having hit several. And I'm sure. Then she's like charmed by it, and then we cut to the dog reaction, like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> which, whatever. If you if you like that, I'm fine with dog reaction shots. Always great. Splice them into every movie. But then we'll suddenly be like talking to the widow <laughs> of a murdered scientist. And the music suddenly becomes ominous. Yeah. Or like this hitman guy keeps showing up and then someone will almost get run over. It's very odd. And I think a there dead is guy a to... falls on her. Do you remember oh that? Oh my part? God. Yeah. The dead guy that falls on her, the dead body. It's very strange in how it shifts. And I don't think you can like, you can make a romantic comedy featuring like, I guess, murder and stuff. Um, it's just how you blend them together. Like charade. That's, there's a Cary Grant, what, Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn, right? It's a yeah, fun I'm movie to... about <laughs> plots and stuff featuring older and younger people with charisma. And mm-hmm. this isn't it. It fails no. at what it's trying to do. It really does. So that means, so what generally happens, I appreciate a good tone shakeup or a mashup. I like that. 
But what happens when it doesn't work is it makes all the parts bad. It's not like the romantic comedy parts were fizzy and fun or... This this uh, investigation was really gripping and interesting. Interesting. It's like no, it's all bad. All parts are done badly. It also, kind of becomes like an action movie near the end. Like it has yes, like a there's weird a fucking car thing. chase. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, With the, the car gun? chase is. It's not even a chase. He's got a gun to his head by a guy in the backseat. He seat. drives fast. So he decides to drive fast. He goes 120 miles per hour on a highway <laughs> in blinding rain. Yeah. And they didn't have their seatbelts on for part of that. He's like, buckle up. And she buckles up only like near the end. Yeah. And lightly, they they end up spinning out in just such a way that they're fine. But the goon in the backseat bumps his head and gets like knocked out. And then they dump him down an embankment. And they don't take the him car. to the police or anything. Yeah. No. They, they don't tie him up and like, they well, walk here's the answer to, to our investigation. They walk and, to Nevada as far as we can tell. How far away is... Where were they? Madison? They were in Wisconsin. It's not, I mean, it's Wisconsin close state-wise, but it's yeah. not a quick, quick jaunt. I always find the states are closer together than I think, because in Canada, everything's far apart. So maybe True. you could, maybe you could pull I'm it gonna, off in like a day. I'm going <laughs> to. Google um, actually, map that. I am doing it. Yeah. Or not, uh, not Buzz Market. This isn't Google Maps. Um. So one of the big things with the shifts in tone. I think that led into it was one, the Pelican Brief came out the year before this, mm-hmm. which was a big, huge hit, huge hit for Julia Roberts. Very serious, investigative thriller. I'm sure that's a 25 a day walk. <laughs> you could drive in 28 hours. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. I really thought it was going to be like a couple days. It's a whole month. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> I hope they were out there for a month. They were walking for 25 days. <laughs> and we just glossed over that part. Yeah. Wow. It's like when, when Leo falls, uh, rides the horse off the uh, off the side of the mountain in The Revenant. And like, then he oh. just is is fine. You know? It's like <laughs> sometimes you... Sometimes you need to cut from something yeah. to something else. Um, yes, the Pelican Brief was huge, and that was like I I think we forget about John Grisham time. We could have a whole Grisham podcast. I'm sure one exists. Grisham defined the '90s, really. Grisham and, and Crichton, who, Michael Crichton, yeah, and John Grisham in some ways. Like and Rice doing a jo- doing a John Grisham movie was the marvel of the '90s, a little bit. And that was a good one. Pelican Brief. Yeah, there were not so yeah. good ones. Yeah, most of them weren't good. I like to time to kill because you know I love my bullock. <laughs> I do like the idea of the Grisham movies being the Marvel Cinematic Universe of the nineties. <laughs> like they all connect. Do they? Do they? Are yes. they set in the same world? Oh my goodness, I would love that. And then all the famous people do one big Grisham mystery. <laughs> this is uh, not the only movie idea I'm going to have this episode. Pitch it. <laughs> um, so I think that was one reason for the tonal shifts in like editing, and the other apparently which the major thing this movie is mostly remembered for is that Julia Roberts and Nick Nolte hated each other in real life on set. Oh, he must have not have cared for her being the number one star in the world by a significant amount. Nolte, <laughs> Nolte uh, said he uh, he only took the film for the money. 
That was where he was at in life. He wasn't in a good place. And that he was selling his soul by doing it. It was the worst film he ever made. And so he was (laughs) not in a good mood when he'd show up to work. And Robert said he was the worst actor she had ever worked with. uh, Describing him. This was in an LA Times piece when it came out. That, you know, quoting unnamed sources as they do. That Julia Roberts described Nick Nolte as disgusting. And he called her (laughs) not a nice person. Because apparently he would play up this... They they say macho act, which to me means like harassing people, brutish probably. sexism. Yeah, being yeah. a dick. Yeah. Uh, and then Roberts was not shy about letting him know that he was being a dick, and so he would in turn then ramp it up even more just to piss her off. And the only time apparently they did get along was when they were both also fighting with Charles and Nancy oh, over no. the direction and the writing. Yeah, well, what a goddamn mm. mess. But yeah, apparently because of this, they had to, like, they basically refused to shoot their later scenes together. So they had, there was all this rewriting and editing and camera tricks. And by some accounts, this is from the LA Times, they did more scenes with stand-ins than with each other. And I mean, there are a lot of scenes early on where, like, they're not together <clears throat> for a lot of it. There's incredible ways that they are not together, even when they're in the same room. There's a way to separate them somehow so they're not in, like, a, a two-shot. And, I, I, yeah, it does kind of seem like they blocked this out a different way once they realized so that they could just have Nick on set one week and Julia the next and get through it. Yeah, even the scene, like, she peeps at him through a keyhole because apparently she's into him. This now, is to be where fair, he peeps the... at her sexily first. True. Disgusting. But, yeah, like, but you never see through the people anyone looking at like with their face also in the shot so it's like yeah that probably wasn't the same day oh they yeah they'll have and and to some degree the structure of the movie allows that because they're competing reporters they both get to call each of their respective editors to essentially lay out the plot so far every so often yeah they can have that separately It, it works a little bit um, Until they decide that they should be in love, which is where the whole thing goes to, like, true shit. It does. Because there's really no reason. There is no reason on this earth. I don't care if you're Julia Roberts or not. There is no reason on this earth to be, like, a 27-year-old whoever. I don't care what your job is. And be like, yes, <laughs> this old man. That is what I must have. Like, you're in Ch- she's from Chicago. They live in Chicago. It's a major city. There are people there. Mm-hmm. And she's a magician. She has and a good job. She's a, she's magician. a magician. She does all these sleight of hand tricks. She's great clothes. Yeah, great clothes. She would be overwhelmed by suitors. She would. It's just But, you know. Yeah. She loves trouble. She does love trouble, and he so does he. Because I believe she says she's trouble. Don't they both say they're trouble? Did we <sighs> Is it determined who's trouble? I thought they both he love kept... trouble. And he loves newspapering. That's all I know. <clears throat> mm. Okay. And you were going to say a fact. Yes. Well, you said like there's no way she would fall for Nick Nolte. But this was during the Lyle Lovett marriage. True. Is that unfair? <laughs> to Lyle uh, Lovett? I'm, a little I bit. I don't know his work. Maybe he's a really engaging itch. I just knew him as a weird guy Julia Roberts married for a bit. Right. I think he's like a well-respected country okay. artist. Um, I think... 
you know, that was more like uh, Renee Zellweger, Kenny Chesney. Like, there's one every generation Who? where it's just like, how did these people meet? You know? <laughs> for Like, Zach Braff and Florence Pugh would be my pick for right now. It's like, yeah. how did they meet? <clears throat> Why would they ever think a marriage would work? Billy Bob and Angelina. You know, it was no, just a one mismatch. That one makes sense. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, it was, But it was just a mismatch. And... Uh, and he wasn't conventionally attractive like her previous Sexiest partners. man alive. Oh, sorry. Who? Oh, I love it. Nolte? I was talking to Nick Nolte again. I just didn't get that rating either. I don't we are back. You are listening to Box Office Bylines, the show about movies about journalism on the radio on Nowhere. FM, Nowhere FM, excuse me, and all of your favorite podcast apps. Uh, Jacob Boone here in Yellowknife with Tara Thorne. Halifax, represent. <laughs> um, Tara, did you know we were talking about Julia Roberts' gams, her, her yes. getaway sticks. <laughs> did you know that, because uh, there's a couple of shots. There's there's a, there's a one other shot that pans up her in like a cocktail dress lingering on her legs and hips. And also when Nick Nolte pervertedly peeps at her through a keyhole. Yeah. It like she's in a, like a sexy little bathrobe doing journalism work, as you do. Yeah. And and it lingers on her legs. Did you know that there was a bit of a scandal with Pretty Woman because they didn't they used a body double for her legs? For the poster, right? Apparently in the movie too, in some of the scenes. What? Wow. And that came out and was a huge big deal. Wow. We really didn't have anything in the 90s, did we? There was nothing going on. So I read one one review that talked about maybe this was an attempt by the studio and Julia Roberts' people to be like, here are my legs, finally, on the big screen. <laughs> That's funny and believable. I do believe that. Um, and I want to mention one more um, thing, which is when they're in the elevator before they get shot mm-hmm. at and the lights go out. And yeah. he's he says something like, can you turn it back on? And she's like, well, you're not going to find it under my blouse. Oh, right. So he's just like immediately in four seconds. He's yeah. groping her under her clothing. And we're like, Haha, you rascal. <laughs> um, I also I, do, <laughs> I mentioned it to you, but I do enjoy when bad guys have like elevator control powers. Yes. That classic, like, the lights went out, the elevator stopped. What's happening? And then, like, it drops a bit, or it goes up a little bit and then starts to drop, and they have to climb out of it. And it's like, how do they know what's happening? Or this in this scenario, they climb up towards the roof, and then the elevator starts going up to yes. crush them. Even though they have left a hole that they climbed out of that they could have jumped back in. Yeah. it's The elevator is a murder device. Yeah. Maybe overused in film plots. Yeah. You don't see it happen too much in real life. And I wouldn't get out. I'd be like, well, let's just see what happens. (laughs) I Um, would not get out. Another very odd sexualizing of Julia Roberts' body scene was when they're on their month-long odyssey to Nevada. (laughs) She stops for a refreshing dip in a lake. Uh, and having only one pair of clothes, she decides to go skinny dipping. And Nick Nolte comes, having gathered what clearly seemed to be poisoned berries, 
Yes, not I'm not an eating. outdoorsy person, no, but he didn't either. have like strawberries. They looked like poison berries, but he gathered them for breakfast, I guess, or whatever. And he comes across her and they have that classic like, oh, turn around. Like, oh, sexualized kind of, oh, is he going to spy her, her nipples or whatever? Yeah, he hands her her bra and, like beh- from behind. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then who comes across this scene but a s- troop of Boy Scouts Ugh. out in the woods. With their Gross film cameras. Boy Scouts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who just, these are like eight-year-old kids, and they have maybe a little older. They're not much, pretty horny. Many scenes of them just with their creepy eyes leering at Julia Roberts. Yeah. And then Nick Nolte is like, got your cameras, kids, and steps out of the way so these children can yeah. photograph this nude woman without her consent. And print so it. Jack off that's all you later. could do. <laughs> yes. And it's like a fun, cute moment. And this is the man that she's falling in love with. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's bad. Like, this is, we didn't expect much. This is what I'm, this is my (laughs) problem with Nancy Myers. I feel her attitude from then is the same now. It's just like, let's make the woman as pathetic as fucking possible. And here, and Mm -hmm. I mean, she's working with people like Diane Keaton and Meryl Streep. These are no jokes. These are good actors who deserve the best. And she's just like, no, let's boil the women down and make them really, you know, they have to earn the love for some reason. And what's weird is she's incredibly competent at her job. Yes. Like, she's like not she's a dick. she's toe-to-toe with him for skills. Yes. She's scooping him constantly. And yet, when it comes to love, she's just, an just idiot. a scared little idiot. Honestly. This is one of, uh, I guess, is there only one other Julia Roberts journalism movie, Journalism Roberts movie? Runaway Bride, Bride, which was the reunite re- reunion of her and Gear, so that was a big deal we, too. We talked before. We, I think we both thought Notting Hill was, but it's not. It's, <laughs> but it is kind of like, it is about like media, yeah, in a way, yeah, paparazzi. And there's also, I mean, she's been in many investigative sort of thrillers, like The Pelican Brief, like mm-hmm. Aaron Brockovich, mm-hmm. uh, Conspiracy Theory with Mel Gibson, uh, but... uh, where that does kind of. There's paperwork montages in those. Uh, I actually have seen Runaway Bride many times uh, because it's on TV a lot, and I love <laughs> Joan Cusack, um, and she's got this like weird. She's like the weird kooky. Uh, I think she does hair, and she yeah. got she got Julia Roberts's high school boyfriend. That's her husband now. So she's always like, I know he's still. Basically, her whole reason for being there is like, well, Corey's still in love with you. Runaway Bride. The 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 theory is that like this woman hasn't been married a couple times and but so she like, literally le- she literally leaves um her her uh men at the aisle there's like I a mo- I, there's a I, montage if I'm editor i don't think i approve that story yeah there's a montage yes yes and so she's supposed to get married again so richard gear goes to the town they right. like are you gonna do it um now two things that runaway bride mm-hmm. opens up which is um my other movie idea, which is that Julia Roberts herself, so her starring in Runaway Bride was cheeky because she famously, at the height of her brand new fame, um, was supposed to marry Kiefer Sutherland. Mm-hmm. Two days before the wedding, called it off, fled to Ireland with Jason Patrick, oh. who she had met on Flatliners. Mm-hmm. And they lived in Ireland for like a year and a half, and she did nothing. And I think a great movie would be a really famous person's last year not being famous. Now, 
I haven't written it because now we're in this social media time where there's just no way it could happen. But there was a time when that happened. And How she do came you back. nothing? Like, she what, didn't work. Like, like, she didn't work. Like, yeah. And I just okay. think you're at the height of your fame. And she came back and it did not affect her. Now, she did mm. have to do this piece of shit. But <laughs> she probably got paid $20 million for it. Like, she just took a break. She took a break and, and did it. Um, so it's sort of cheeky for her to be in Runaway Bride. My other thing is, I grew up, my Julia Roberts feelings are very complicated. I grew up reading tabloids. My uncle worked at a magazine distribution company, and he would once a month bring this giant bag of like National Enquirers and Stars and Us Weekly was a tabloid before it became, or sorry, it was a monthly first. You know, so it's just like celebrity culture. And I've realized the older I've gotten that tabloids specifically have really shaped detrimentally a lot of the women that I that we know from the 90s who are now getting their stories told like Monica Lewinsky like Lorena Bobbitt Tanya Harding Mm -hmm. even like Nicole Brown Simpson if you had asked me before OJ Made in America came out Mm -hmm. I would have said Nicole Brown Simpson was dating Ronald Goldman they did not even know each other so so Julia Roberts was constantly a tabloid fixture and I was we didn't have the internet then I was fucking sick of Julia Roberts. I didn't care. I So I was very resistant to her. So I didn't see Hook. I didn't see Dying Young. I did see Sleeping with the Enemy, which scared me when I was in grade six. But now that I'm old enough to know, less so. Never saw Flatliners. Mary Riley's terrible. So I really, I took a break from Julia Roberts till about 1997, which was um, my best friend's wedding because that movie was a juggernaut and you could not avoid it. Um, and But now, now that I'm older... And mm-hmm. I am able to separate people from their media personas. And um, I think she's awesome. I really love seeing her. She's really funny. Um, is she street-level actor? No, but, like, she can hold her own. And, and there's a lot of people you can tell why they're stars. And we've talked about that yeah. all the way through this. It's like It's like a charisma that you cannot buy or create or have shot into your face. It's just like stardom it's just a thing so I have really grown to appreciate her over time and the eyes that I watch I love trouble with in 2020 are much different eyes than uh that would have watched it in 1994 so I I I kind of wish I had the experience of watching it then because I'm sure uh it my whole view would have changed this time it almost to some degrees feels like Julia Roberts succeeded in spite of a Hollywood system that would have enjoyed dismantling her into various body parts and writing trashy tabloid stories about whatever person she was dating. And I mean, I'm just trying to think of like how many actresses that probably did end up demolishing, maybe not their career, but probably a desire to work or be at a level of superstardom. And so I'm glad she took a year and a half off to go live in Ireland, make shoes with Daniel Day Lewis or whatever. (laughs) And come on back it's yeah because like that's kind of notting hill isn't that that like big movie star in small british town not british you know united kingdom town as you know from the last time we talked about this i do not know well now i'm just wondering if both Run- runaway bride and notting hill are like julia roberts telling us about her life maybe yeah and i way. mean and and like a lot of people like people are idiots in their 20s imagine having to do your 20s 
with People Magazine up your ass. So, like, yeah. now she's in her 50s, and she's had the same husband for a long time. And, I mean, there was a bit of a scandal there. But they've got kids. Like, it's all fine now. <laughs> so it's like, um, you know, trying to work that out in public, uh, I think, would have been very uh, uh, stressful. So to mention kind of what you're going on, a point of trivia I found a little bit was when they were filming that scene where she's swimming naked, there were rumors circulating in the town presumably by crew members, that Julia Roberts was going to film a nude scene. And so several paparazzi photographers got people to sneak them onto set. Oh, my goodness. Now, she goodness. wasn't actually naked. She was wearing, you know, it was one of those things where they have a body double probably yeah. who's, like, naked back, you see, and Julia's just shoulders wearing, like, a tube top. But, yeah, that was, like, the level of, like, let's see if we can grab some naked photos of America's sweetheart. Wow. And really, Fun. she she truly is America's last sweetheart. Like you, you can see, like <laughs> you gotta call the movie that <laughs> America's last sweetheart. There's your title. Thank you. We're working through this together. <laughs> Nobody steal this. Patent bending. Um, but you know, you've you've seen the the romantic comedy is quite dead, and you see people mm -hmm. trying to revive it. Like Mindy Kaling's really tried. Um, you know, there was a bit with Katherine Heigl and the OOs. Like you've seen, you can see people to they're trying to set up as America's next sweetheart, and it has just never happened because the movie business has changed. It's not a really yeah. star based anymore. It's 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 franchise based. Um, but yeah, she really is the last of, of, of a certain kind of movie star. And I appreciate that now. And I'm sorry about how I felt in the nineties, Julia. All these studios are scrambling like Billy Crystal. <laughs> America's sweethearts. Yes. Isn't that uh Catherine Zeta, Zeta Jones? Jones. Yeah. yeah. I never Zeta saw Jones. It. John Cusack, and I think. Mm, okay, I was gonna say John Malkovich, but that doesn't seem right. John Malkovich, yeah, maybe. Isn't Crystal? Isn't like Billy Crystal falls in love with someone, or how does that? Work? Oh no, doesn't. Okay, what's his face? Um, fuck, who did you just say? John Cusack. Uh, he falls in love with an assistant, not a celebrity, right? And that's like, <gasps> Kel horror, magical. yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it's not a romantic comedy podcast. It's a journalism podcast. It kinda. is. Speaking of which, what did you think about uh -huh. the journalism in I Heart Trouble? Here's the thing. Horrible, horrible movie. Some of the journalism's actually really well represented. Yeah. More accurate than some of the more famous journalism movies we've watched. It's true. Like her going through the phone book and crossing names out? Like they know the last name of the conductor, so she just starts calling everyone in the Chicago phone book with that last name. Be like, oh, I'm a reporter with this. Do you happen to know this person? And, like, we get the montage of her working all night, basically, until she ends up finding his, I think, mother um, and getting this sort of scoop. And, yep. like, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of them separately, obviously, individually, going around, interviewing people, collecting little news tips and bits of info. I love there was a scene where... Um, like, a kid calls her, they stole something from the crash site, and he's like, my friend says you pay money for this. And that's always an awkward conversation mm. where you want the info, but you need to let them know, I'm not going to pay you. And she brushes right by it, and she's like, where can I meet you? Which is a great non-response to yeah. his question. Because <laughs> <laughs> once you're there in the room, you can probably convince him it's important that we talk. Yeah. Um, spinning newspaper. Yeah, if, if it was a lighter, like a political scandal, like a presidential nominee or something is 
I don't know, embezzling money. So, that's yeah, that's something, even kind of dark. Something but, more white collar would have been Yeah, better. then you could have kept it lighthearted and fun. And I think with different actors, specifically Nick Nolte, <laughs> you could have had maybe a more interesting things. Also, at the very end, this is this one bugged me. They're, they they break the story. They get both land big, huge front page features in their competing newspapers. And we see them picking the newspapers up from their hotel room, which I guess delivers both papers to the door. <laughs> as they like, they're kind of on their honeymoon, I they're guess. They're married now, for real. Yeah. And they compliment each other's writings like, oh, what poetry you, you, you put down. And I d- like... There's a great scene in Spotlight where they realize, like, the story's going to come out and he's like, go enjoy your weekend and show up here on Monday because, like, we're going to have a lot more work to do. And I feel like that would have been the realistic thing is they broke this story and then they're immediately on the follow-ups. They're back in the office or they're on TV being interviewed about it or something. They're not taking a vacation. And reading their personal essays aloud because that's what they are. Yeah. They're both- well, that's, to be fair, that's what journalists do. <laughs> they both yeah. Are yeah. Oh, uh, God. Uh, do you want some trivia? I always do. So we talked about the uh, skinny dipping scene where the scout troop comes across Julia Roberts uh, naked. So one irate father, whose son auditioned to appear as part of said scout troop, wrote into the Wisconsin State Journal in October 93, saying that the movie makers were not interested in making a film with traditional Disney scouting scenes. They were buying the innocence of youth to get a cheap laugh by having young boys act shocked when they came upon Julia Roberts skinny dipping in the lake. <laughs> so not apparently a favorite movie of the Boy Scouts of America. Well, famously moral. <laughs> uh, for the scene with the wild goose chase, production had to import 500 geese from Iowa to Wisconsin. Because she ran over a bunch, probably? I'm assuming there's no geese in Wisconsin? Oh. Or the only guy who rents out geese is in Iowa? Maybe it wasn't goose season. Maybe they were uh, in Florida. No, they well, they were... Oh, yeah, okay. Like, maybe the actual geese uh-huh. <laughs> of the state <laughs> were in Florida. Hibernating, or what do they do? It's not hibernating. What's it called? Yeah, they hibernate. They <laughs> migrate. They stay in their dens. <laughs> they come out in the spring to eat salmon. You got it. Speaking of weird timelines in their month-long trek to Nevada... <laughs> They're also told uh, by their editors to go to O'Hare Airport in Chicago and catch the overnight plane to Madison, Wisconsin. And the drive time from downtown Chicago to downtown Madison is two and a half hours. Oh. So that'd be what, a like 10 minute flight? Yeah. Uh, Warren Beatty was considered for the role of Peter Brackett. That would have been better. It would have been better. Warren Beatty was like just coming into his Annette Bening years then. I think he might have just yeah. b- dated Madonna. Like, Warren Beatty could get it still oh, back yeah. then. Nick Nolte. Still, to this day. Is he alive? <laughs> yes, he's alive. Okay. Then he can get it. <laughs> Roger Ebert, himself a Chicago newspaperman, mm-hmm. uh, pointed out that in his review that Nick Nolte's character files copy by handing in a piece of paper, something <laughs> already outdated by 94, which is weird. He types it up on a computer, plagiarizes on a computer, and then gives, with one minute to deadline to his syndication deadline, hands a printed off piece of paper to the editor. Yeah, who I guess now has to type it Who I guess has to retype it. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, thanks. Um, 
and also questioned uh, their unlimited expense accounts and how they were allowed to spend days on a story without apparently ever contacting the office. I don't know if I agree with that. They contacted the office. They were flying first class, though. Yeah, that was weird. To like podunk, podunk non-hub destinations. Uh, Elmer Bernstein originally wrote the score, but his music was thrown out, and David Newman called in at such a late stage that the movie posters have Bernstein's name still on them. Wow. He's probably really mad that people think it was him. (laughs) Especially for how jarringly the music changes from Meyer's fun frivolous yeah. apartment therapy yeah. yeah to to svu i will also say this for a nancy myers film in terms of the cliches not a lot of nice looking kitchens and interiors only one turtleneck that julia roberts wears late in the movie but looks great in that's because the man was the star this is what i'm saying this is i think it's shire's fault ridiculously oh i thought you meant nick nolte oh <laughs> Well, both. He's he's costumed the entire time practically in this upturned collar trench coat. Yeah. As if he's like from the 40s. Oh. And smoking a cigar constantly. Oh, yes. I'm pretty sure a fake cigar too. Farmers were concerned that the movie would cause a negative bash- backlash against their milk product. I mean, big milk is no joke. So state representative and future Wisconsin Agricultural Secretary Ben Brancell said in October 93 to the State Journal, we don't want to tamper with the minds of the public and the perception that milk is not safe. It's one of the most pure and nutritious foods in the world that anyone knows of. Wow. I think uh, it's good to remember that, like, Dolly the Sheep and stem cells yeah. and all that shit were a big deal in the 90s, so I'm sure it was topical for its time. And this, I think this would have been before Dolly. Oh, interesting. 94. But yeah, it's like gen- the idea of genetically modified anything. Anything, yeah was Frankenstein, what are we unleashing? <laughs> and it's sort of cute or scary that now it's like we're we're completely fine with you know, the company's won. Well, I I don't know what's in milk, but I'm assuming it's not just milk. No one would derail <laughs> a train about it, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Why did they derail the train? They had to kill one guy. On it, and that was the easiest way. Apparently. Instead of just going on like... the train and stealing the suitcase. I guess. <laughs> um, so Roberts, when appearing on David Letterman, Letterman's The Late Show uh, in 2009, was asked, uh, who because she was talking about how great one of her coworkers was, I think Clive Owen, and Dave, I believe, asked, like, who is your worst coworker? Which prompted her to go into a profanity-laden tirade about an unnamed former co-worker that is believed to be Nick Nolte. Oh my goodness. I'm I gonna... can't find that clip. Oh, I was going to say, I'm going to go look it up after this. I know. Maybe we can play it at the end of the episode if oh, we find it. Oh boy. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, not a good movie. Not a good journalism movie. Um, it also tanked. So um, the power <laughs> of Julia Roberts did not help this thing. It, um, mm-hmm. you know... And I'm, sh- you know what? I bet she was blamed for it, um, because this was in the time when women couldn't have a flop. Um, hold on, I'm just looking at 
the um, the specs here. So the budget was $45 million for a fucking romantic comedy. You know why? Car chases, shootings, train der- derailments. There's this like diehard ripoff. I don't know when diehard was. I assume the same time. But like at the end where like they crash through a glass, the bad guy crashes through a glass ceiling that honestly looked like Wide shot. They could have only have done it once. It yeah. must have ate up a tremendous amount of money. <laughs> uh, For, cute. Yeah, because he was juicing milk. Yeah. It's. It makes no sense. <laughs> but cumulative worldwide gross, 30, not even point one, thirty $30 million. Budget, 45 You add in all the promo, P&I, mm-hmm. P&R, whatever it's called. Um, and uh, What does that, that stand for? Uh, it's promotion and something else. Mm. I'll learn. Um, but opening week, but opening weekend was eight million dollars, which is just, I yeah. mean, even with inflation, bad for a Julia Roberts movie. So yeah, people did not want to see this matchup. They did not want it. <laughs> America rejected. <laughs> they were like Nolte no, Roberts. <laughs> let's leave it there. Let's tell people what we're gonna watch next week, which is a good one. I already know it. I feel good about it. We're going to wash the taste out of our mouth. Yeah. With a good movie. With a true classic. One you like that I've never seen. Oh, I'm very, that's very compelling. Broadcast News. Holly Hunter is one of my all-time favorite people. James L. Brooks directed it. Uh, William Hurt, also a famous uh, dickhead. Yep. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Albert Brooks. She has to choose between William Hurt and Albert Brooks. Oh, no. What will she do? Um... (laughs) It's awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Jacob, um, I don't think we should do our friend suggestions anymore because <laughs> it's not working out. You know what? We it, it was fun to watch it, kind of. It was, yeah. We watched it together. If we had watched it on our own, our respective owns, not great. It allowed you to talk about your Julia Roberts screenplay idea. And the name last it. American Sweetheart. Yeah. <laughs> The last American sweetheart are America's last sweetheart. God, they're both good. I would see either one of those. those. Yeah. Yeah. Vote for your favorite. You can, if you like this sort of... uh, Tomfoolery. (laughs) Banter and tomfoolery and japes. You can follow Tara on Twitter at 30HFX, T-H-O-R-N-E-Y-H-F-X. And you can catch Jacob at R-W-J Boone. There's no E on that Boone. And you can catch the show at Box Bylines. Really start tweeting us. We would really like that. Yeah, we've gotten some followers and we'd love to. I think we've got least... 22 followers and it'd be nice to <laughs> talk to them. Throw some suggestions for movies. We can't promise we'll watch them. Well, clearly, it has. It's not going well. And we're also, you can listen to us live uh, Tuesdays. Is it, is it always Tuesday? Tuesday evenings? I know where. Tuesday. That seems to be our slot. That has seemed, it's settled in, yeah. It's sort of fluctuates a little bit in the hour but check our social media and you can listen at nowhere fm which also has lots of other great shows and came together during this pandemic to kind of be a creative output for people and without it i don't know what i'd be doing (laughs) crying even more crying for one hour longer working on your screenplay yeah i could be writing (laughs) all right jacob have a good week you too there bye